Hi, everyone. So glad you're joining us today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for listening. Today, I'm talking with Donna Cole. Donna is an award-winning multimedia and investigative journalist, bird of prey rescuer, a mom, breast cancer survivor, and a U.S. Navy veteran. In the spring and summer of 2018, Donna broke the story about something called carbuforin, a federally banned pesticide being illegally used and resulting in the death of 13 bald eagles in the state of Maryland. This reporting that Donna did led to national and global news coverage. Today, we're going to talk with Donna about this investigative work, among many other very inspiring things. So if you're listening for the first time today, or for the first time in a while, here's a little bit about me and my podcast. I'm Carolyn Copper, PhD psychologist, retired government executive, and now professional photographer and certified wildlife professional. I've been very busy. So the focus of my podcast is information that I share on my website blog. My blog is a solution and success-oriented discussion of topics that are the foundation of all of my professional photography work, which is wildlife rehabilitation and protection, land conservation, faith and environmental stewardship, and great places or opportunities to photograph wildlife and nature. So If you want to know more about those things, check out my blog, check out the podcast. It's really easy to find my blog from your favorite web browser. Just navigate to my website, www.copperrangellc.com and click blog. Once you're on my website, you can also view all my images. You can make a purchase. You can learn about me and you can keep up with my art show schedule. Art shows are a good place to meet me and see my work in person. If you're following me on social media, you've probably seen me taking pictures of folks who have bought my work. Lots of smiling, happy faces. So but if you're not looking to buy anything yet, I hope you'll still stop by my website. You'll find great free content and stunning photography. So we welcome Donna next. Welcome, Donna. You have a really active online presence, which makes it so easy to learn about you and keep up with you. Perhaps that's the journalist in you. I don't know. So tell us about yourself, Donna. Thanks, Carolyn, for having me on your podcast. I'm really so grateful to be able to share my story. I'm a mom, journalist, a bird of prey rescuer, and a veteran of the U.S. Navy. I'm also a breast cancer survivor, and I do actually credit birds of prey for coming to my rescue when I was recovering from a bilateral mastectomy that left me with permanent and debilitating pain. So that's right. You wrote a, last April, Donna, you wrote a, it's a very powerful story on the news website that you run, which is called Annapolis Creative. We'll give, there's links to that in my, in my uh, website blog, and there'll be some information that we'll share on Donna's um, news website later. But the story was titled, is titled, Birds of Prey Came to My Rescue in the Aftermath of Breast Cancer and in the Midst of an Opioid Epidemic. I've Tried to Return the Favor. That's the quote, that's the, the title of your art, the article you wrote in quotes. I really recommend that everybody read this story. And again, there'll be links to it in the sources for my website blog and the podcast. Um, so Donna, tell us about this incredible journey and how it led you to where you are today. 
I had two barn owls that moved into my backyard right after my surgery in 2012, and they gave birth to two babies that year. Those adult barn owls have been with me ever since. And I just heard the sound of two baby owls last night for the first time this year. So yay, another successful breeding year. That same year, anyway, back in 2012, I saw an eagle family in the wild for the first time. And those events changed my life, personally and professionally. They gave me focus on something other than my pain. So what did that focus look like? Initially in 2012, and ever since, I've been focusing on birds of prey with my camera. In 2015, I began working with the news department of a local radio station part-time. This was after taking a few years off because of the pain. In 2016, my personal passion for birds of prey began to enter into my professional life, and this was when 13 dead bald eagles were found on a farm field in Federalsburg, Maryland, and that was a story that was seen around the world and reported on by many. What wasn't disclosed, though, was the cause. When everyone else seemed to forget about the story, I kept at it. I wanted to know what caused the deaths, because if it happened once, I knew it could happen again and again. I started submitting Freedom of Information Act requests, FOIAs, they're called. I'll come back to that. In the meantime, I became a bald eagle nest monitor for the Maryland Bald Eagle Nest Monitoring Program in 2017. Fast forward to 2018, when the wonderful people at Tuckahoe State Park had lent me some binoculars and a scope for nest monitoring, which I'd gotten my daughter's school involved in. And it was while I was returning those that I discovered that the people at Tuckahoe were teaching a class for first responders on raptor triage and rescue. I went to their aviary and started recording the training. I then did a radio show about it. In January 2019, they opened that class up to civilians, and I was one of the first in line. From there, I was introduced to my fellow rescuer, Nancy McDonald, and she took me under her wing, yes, pun intended, and she was a large part in me feeling comfortable doing rescues on my own, which I've been doing ever since. Wow, Donna, that is really quite quite a journey. Um, as I said, you have a you've written a really nice article on your Annapolis Creative website about this particular um, chapter, if you will, in your life. And you've also written about how you've been a little felt a little depleted about talking and writing about breast cancer, and that's certainly understandable. Sometimes when we have things in our lives that are difficult or challenging, and we've had to think a lot about them or talk a lot about them. It does get a little draining sometimes. So I thank you for sharing that. Um, you mentioned Nancy McDonald and you're in, in how you met her. And, you know, as you know, Nancy has done a podcast with me as well. And, um, you know, I got to meet Nancy and I got involved in the transporting of these rescue birds because of the work that you did to, uh, to try to organize and look for volunteers who could help with some of the transporting of these injured raptors. So that's how I got to know you. And um, I'm glad I did. And again, I thank you for sharing that, um, that story about how the journey about how you wound up being a, a raptor rescuer. So Donna, do you have any uh, raptor rescues that are more memorable than others? As for memorable rescues, uh, I'd say the first two osprey rescues were definitely that. This was during the summer of 2019. Both of those rescues involved ospreys that were tangled in fishing line and hanging upside down in trees. 
many people were involved in those rescues, including Nancy and including Bob Baltz, who had been part of the training back at Tuckahoe. Uh, in addition to them, two different fire departments were also involved at these two locations for the Ospreys. And both of these rescues were incredibly difficult, despite the many people involved and all the time spent rescuing these birds. They didn't survive. In other words, please clean up and safely dispose of fishing line when you see it, even if it's not yours. My favorite rescues are the ones that do survive, and then when I can release birds back out to the wild. This current osprey season has already seen one of those. It was rescued in Annapolis, and I was able to get it back to Annapolis for the release. There's no greater feeling than that, and I'm so very thankful for our licensed wildlife rehabilitation facilities in Maryland, including people like Suzanne Shoemaker at Al Moon Raptor Center, who was able to treat that osprey and uh, eventually get it back to the wild. We still keep hearing so many stories and um, situations about birds, raptors, osprey, turtles, wading birds, even um, herons getting hung up in fishing line, getting snagged by fishing line, finding fishing line and fishing hooks in their internal organs. It's just really horrific. Yeah, thank you, uh, thank you, Donna, for that reminder to folks. Everybody, please, if you find if you're out. At a park, you're out walking around, you're near a pond, you're near a lake, you see fishing line hanging, you see it on the ground, pick it up and dispose of it. It would you you might be surprised at how many wildlife lives you're actually saving. Thank you, Donna, for uh, mentioning Owl Moon Raptor Center, which um, has been the the center that we've taken a lot of these injured raptors to, and they do incredible work there. And for mentioning Suzanne Shoemaker, who is the uh, the owner the founder, the licensed, the federally and state licensed raptor rehabilitator there. Um, and yes, Owl Moon Raptor Center and other wildlife rehabilitation centers can always use donations and help. Uh, they do very good work that um, doesn't always see the light of day and are very skilled and very talented and very patient. And so anything any of us can do to try to support those organizations is appreciated and needed. So Donna, um, you mentioned a little, we talked a little bit about, or you mentioned a little bit about the, um, the eagle deaths, carboferrin deaths, pesticide poisonings. So um, in 2018, you broke the story that the federally banned pesticide carboferrin was responsible for the 2016 deaths of 13 bald eagles in Maryland. And, you know, possibly it's more deaths that we just will never know about. Um, that story did get national attention. It was the largest number of eagles, bald eagles, that were known to have died in Maryland in 30 years. And um, we know bald eagles don't just fall out of the sky like that and die. doesn't happen. Carboferrin is a pesticide to control pests in soil and on leaves and a variety of field fruit and vegetable crops. But in 2009, the United States Environmental Protection Agency, my former employer, effectively banned carboferrin by not allowing it to be re-registered, that's a technical term, because the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, concluded that, and this is in quotes, dietary worker and ecological risks are unacceptable for all uses of carboferrin. All products containing carbofurin 
generally cause unreasonable adverse effects on humans and the environment and do not meet safety standards and therefore are ineligible for re-registration. So tell us about how you got involved in this case, Donna, and what you learned from it. As you remember, I indicated that I had started submitting FOIA requests for the birds in the 2016 case. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service will not release any information about a case until an investigation is over. In 2018, the investigation into the Federal's bird case was finally over, and I finally got the answers I had been waiting for. The birds had been poisoned with carbofurin, a federally banned pesticide. It's illegal to buy, sell, or use it. I shared this information through the radio station I was working for, and it definitely got out there, but even so, it was a limited audience. I reached out to the Washington Post and shared the FOIA information with them, and from there it went to the New York Times and just about every big media entity around the world. I also shared the information with media organizations on the Eastern Shore because that's where the incident had happened. Because the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service wouldn't let me speak to one of their agents about it, I found a retired Fish and Wildlife Service special agent by the name of Frank Conseer, who spent a great deal of his career working on cases involving carbofurin poisoning of birds in Maryland. He was actually one of those who got the EPA to ban it. He was included in a a small group of people that did a lot of work to get the EPA to ban it. Anyway, he did a few interviews with me and testified to try to get the possession of carbofurin abandoned in Maryland. And although that didn't go through, Frank has become a good friend and an amazing help to my understanding of this issue. He spent his career helping the critters, and he hasn't stopped in his retirement. Unfortunately, it turned out carbofurin hadn't just killed those eagles in Federalsburg, but many previously and since. And I've done a heck of a lot of reporting about all of these incidents. The use of carbofurin to kill eagles is what I call a dirty little secret that's been handed down from generation to generation, from neighbor to neighbor and friend to friend. The use of carbofurin to kill eagles has primarily happened on regulated shooting areas or hunting preserves where people pay to kill ducks released right in front of them. Eagles like to eat ducks, and people that don't like eagles taking their ducks know that eagles will take poison bait. Foxes and raccoons will take the initial bait that was laced with carbofurin and deliver it to the scavengers. Eagles are scavengers. They scavenge on the carcasses of the poisoned raccoons or foxes, and it's game over for all of them. Some actually have survived, but more have died. Whatever is in their nest has also likely perished. For the work I did reporting all of this, I took home two investigative journalism awards from the Society of Professional Journalists. And from the Associated Press, I received an Enterprise Journalism Award and one for in-depth reporting. Whether or not a book is published is entirely dependent on my ability to write it, and yes, it has been started. As you can see, my personal passion led to a life change professionally, too. I continue to focus on birds of prey in my reporting today, and you can see it all on AnnapolisCreative.com, which is my website. The problem with, you know, banned pesticides or illegal substances is that people can still possess them. They could still have a supply of them, particularly if they've been purchased in large quantities when they were legal. Um, they can also be, and they are being used overseas. There's countries where carbofurin is still legal, is legal. So when you have these uh, where these stores of this pesticide and you know it does what you believe it should do, people can continue to use illegal substances like that. And unfortunately, 
they're not really caught if they ever are caught until something dies or gets poisoned, whether it's an animal, a person, water, land. So it becomes one of those additional risks of uh, the use of pesticides. So Donna, you have another exciting project that I'm guessing must be keeping you busy these days, and it's your selection in the 2022 Military Veterans in Journalism Speakers Bureau. So what can you share about that? Regarding military veterans and journalism, first, I'm very thankful there is such an organization. I wish there were more veterans and much more diversity in our newsrooms. There are far too many mistakes and missed opportunities with reporting about the military and veterans and who better to help than those who've served. MVJ decided to train a select number of us as speakers who will then train other journalists how to report about veterans and their disabilities. I'm so honored to have been chosen for this. I have some disabilities and some, not all, are service related. We must do better for our veterans and include them in our coverage, disabilities and all. Congratulations on your selection in the Military Veterans in Journalism Speakers Bureau. And just to be sure that I've covered what this is. So this is um, this activity that Donna will be participating in is a disability inclusion initiative to create conversations and reporting within American newsrooms about military veteran issues with a focus on disabled veterans. Donna, thank you so much. That's a wrap for today's podcast. It was really a pleasure talking to you and Uh, I thank you again so much for the work that you've done on behalf of our wildlife, our raptors, and the work that I know that you're going to continue to do. And this is work that is not easy. You know, you see a lot of, you see death, you see injuries, you see things that are hard to look at and hard to talk about and hard to continue to reflect on over and over. So I thank you for the strength that you've shown in this area and for your compassion and your commitments. Thank you again so much, Carolyn. I really so much appreciate the time to speak to you. For those that are listening, I'm at Anap Creative on Twitter and Annapolis Creative on Facebook and Instagram, as well as again, AnnapolisCreative.com. Please feel free to hit me up with any questions. Thank you for listening today. You can find Donna Cole on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and on her online news website, Annapolis Creative at www.annapoliscreative.com. I have several links on my blog to the resources and information on the topics discussed today. So remember to stop by my website, www.copperrangellc.com to view my images, read the free blog and download free podcasts like this one and see where you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you again for listening. Have a great day. Bye.